Welcome back, everyone, to Bounce Off, the number one slam ball podcast worldwide. I am your host, Sam Roberts. You can find me on social media to talk all things slam ball at Quantum Roberts. That's Q-U-A-N-T-U-M Roberts. Today's episode is going to cover all of last night's action, including the headlines, stoppers worry the mob, griffins get first dub, and exhaustion is the great unifier. Now, Hopefully today's episode, or actually accurately, today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter because my sleep schedule is a mess doing this thing. But we will get into all the action from last night's games, including a little bit on the broadcasting so far. Remember, you can always go into my description to join Lone Rangers Discord if you want to talk about slam ball with other fans. Or we also have a link to the stats page that the league is using officially. Um, yeah, last night's action was interesting. It was definitely interesting. We will get into it. Uh... The mob looked human, and yet, at the same time, uh, so difficult to catch. And we will get into that with, with the various reviews. First thing I want to talk about is the broadcasting. Um, it's far improved from Weekend 1, and that's not to diminish the work that Lamorne Garrett and Nate Robinson were doing. It's just to say that the, the team overall has clearly been told to focus on a couple of different things, right? Um... And I say that because they all seem to know the rules a lot better than the team last week did, including John Schriffen, who is who is the lead announcer. But so have all of the like like the, the two members of ESPN staff that are supporting him on the broadcast. So it's not just that John Schriffen knows a lot more about what he's talking about and is able to articulate rules and and why things are happening while also still doing play by play. But you've also got the the uh, NFL long snapper John uh, Dornbos, um, who was who was there, who still like Nate Robinson is presenting the casual fan and asking questions and looking for follow up, but at the same time has has done his research and definitely knows a little bit more than maybe other people would do. Uh, going into this. so that that feels like a much more accurate casual fan like if you're a casual fan of a sport you know the basic rules you just don't know all the players necessarily and you don't know the intricacies and so that's what what um john D- uh, dornboss was doing really well stormy bonatoni on the other hand was also great she she was a great sideline interviewer and that adds legitimacy to have sideline interviews going on to be asking coaches questions between games um, and providing color mid broadcast as well, and in between, like during games. Um, the only thing is they went away from her. They were using her; she was doing great, and then they, she just wasn't as much part of the broadcast as they went on. And that was a little bit disappointing, both because she was good at it, but also because I liked the the increased variety from having three people and and a different voice and a different perspective and all of this stuff. So. The broadcasting is far improved. We talked about how that adds legitimacy. It certainly does when you've got three good sporting minds uh, coming at it as a collective, having been told we need you to learn the rules and um, just getting really involved in the sport that they're watching. So broadcasting was great. We move on to game one of the night. It was Lava versus Griffins. Somebody's O has got to go. Two teams who have yet to win a game. One of them has to now. Um, and it was just all about who's going to be that team that gets the win. Um, and it ended up being 45-47 in favour of the Griffins. And uh, this little review section is going to focus primarily on the Lava, who lost out on this one. And that's just because I have more to say on them. Um, when it comes to the Griffins, I can't really point to what it was that won them this game. Okay, Kaishon Jones and Justin Holmes are, are solid offensively. They bring a lot. Um, the team runs a little bit of offense around the island, but not a huge amount. Connor Hollenbeck is obviously a wonderful stopper. You know, it, there's there's so many great stoppers now in this league. Gage Smith, likely number one for most people. Connor Hollenbeck, uh, Fessel Shafat, uh, Keenan Love, just like all those guys are, are pretty damn good. Um, is, is that your top four? Possibly. And if that is your top four, then where's Colin Hollenbeck? And that, regardless, he is a very good stopper. And we'll talk about that even more later in the night. But you can't even tell if the win came down to violation splits because it was 4-2 in favour of the Griffins. 
right? So there was four violations that the Lava made, two that the Griffins made. So that's a benefit to them in terms of just additional points. And then there's also a 4-2 in face-off. So if those are separate stats, if those are separate results, um, then that's like... I don't I doubt it, though. I think that those numbers add up too well. So I think that's like 12 points to 6 points in terms of face-off. So that's a 6-point edge. So I suppose that's... Realistically, in a close game like this, that is a pretty big... That is a pretty big swing. Um, but I still don't know... I, I'm not, there's nothing on paper that's like, this is why they won this game. So it might just be that. Um, beyond Hollenbeck being a very physical stopper, I can't put my finger on this team generally. I don't know what they're good at. I don't know who to, well, I know who to pay attention for. And I, like I've said before, I like their starting four. I think Kaishon Jones, Justin Holmes and Flash, Adam Flash, Stanford uh, are all guys that can contribute and do well. I just can't work out how the team works together. The Lav, on the other hand, um, we know how they work and they work through their star player uh, a lot of the time. Uh, and that's fine when the star player plays. But this is at weekend two and the second time that Bryce Moraine's gone down with something. So the number one overall pick, the baby brawn, the most complete slam ball player we've ever seen, quote unquote. Uh, last weekend, he averaged second most or first most points in the league, I believe. Um, one of our many really good statisticians out there is going to correct me if I get it wrong. But I believe first, if not first, top three in points per game. And this week, he goes down uh, about five, well, not even five minutes in because it's five minute quarters. About two minutes in because he lands with one foot on the island and one foot in the trampoline. And he's already got a bad ankle from preseason that he... he didn't take enough time to recover from. This is one of those difficult things because um, as a player, he wants to come in and be really good and live up to his, his draft number and give the league a story because the league is looking for stories and um, he, needs to, he wants to come in and be that. But you need to take time to heal your injuries because if you don't, you get things like a bad ankle or, or whatever it might be that just keep coming back. So, that's not great. Any injury is not great with shortened rosters. The Lava are already missing someone that they drafted and they've had to replace them with a, with a player they wouldn't have taken otherwise. And so, it's not looking great for them to be losing Bryce Marine. It's not looking any worse than last week was because it's another game that they've lost in crunch time. The Lava are either the most unlucky team in slam ball or they, they really need to work on execution throughout the game because this is the, obviously, third game out of three that's been decided by, like, a final play call. And, like, there were three games last weekend that were decided by double digits. Two of them involved the Lava losing, and then this is the first one of this weekend that's been the same. So, not great. Um, the thing with Bryce Moraine being injured is that he also, while he was playing, he can produce for them on the offensive end in terms of scoring. He can get his points. I don't know how it comes as part of the team. But you can also give away silly fouls, and that's not a great thing. The team overall was kind of advised from their coach like, pre-game, the thing that we heard was, don't foul, we can't beat ourselves. And the very first play was a foul from Bryce Marine, right? So your star player's fouling to start the game, which isn't a great look for a team that has just been told, don't foul, we can't afford to, to give those points away. And then, throughout the game, there was just a couple of silly mistakes. They had second and third shot clock turnovers by the third quarter, which is just a bad mistake, especially because... As I'm now looking at the arena, it does look like there might only be a shot clock on one end, which isn't great. But it was at the end of the shot clock that they were they were giving them up. So that's not what you want to see. Oh. Excuse my yawn. Like I said, sleep patterns all over the place covering this thing. It's great. It's a wonderful opportunity. A lot of two in the tramp as well from the lava. So they're making these small mistakes. And these are the same things that the Griffs were making last week, and they were still doing in this game. I don't want to say that they are infallible now, right? Um, but it makes 
the concept of comebacks more daunting when you've already established that you don't fully recognize the rules or your timing is poor and you can't make the most of the rules. So if you've given up so many points because you keep fouling or you keep making these little mistakes, um, that's why you lose games because you're making those mistakes throughout the game. And then that makes it so much harder for late game situations to pull through for you. So much harder. Um, so it, it, they come back to haunt you in, in a game that ends up getting decided by two points or just regularly highly contested end game situations. It makes that late game planning so much more stressful because you need to rely on it more than in other game situations, right? Uh, will the Lava become the best late game situation team in the league? It's possible they've got more practice than anyone else. Um, they've also lost late game situations more than anyone else, so I doubt it, but that's something to keep an eye on. Pax and Hendry played really good perimeter defense for this team. That's something I want to point out because I wasn't sure what he was going to contribute preseason. Uh, and we've seen him make a couple of mistakes, but who on the Lava hasn't in terms of just small things? But we've also seen him be really good in terms of distribution and just bringing up the ball. And then perimeter defense, like I'm saying, he, he's shown an aptitude for that. And then the other person I obviously need to talk about is Greg Helt. So I am very high on you, Greg, if you hear this. I think that his size has shown to be difficult to stop in the tramp when he gets ahead of steam. I think he hasn't had the opportunity to show off how great of a shooter he is from four-point range or from three. He took some shots last night. Both teams were taking a lot of shots. And I don't know if that's because that's how both teams want to play, because I don't feel like that's how they played weekend one. Uh, or if that's a league directive. We talked in the Q&A pod that the league has sort of put an emphasis on um, we want the shooting to be better and we want to see more shots thrown up um, and more consistent shots thrown up. And both of these teams taking a lot more, you know, it's just something to, to be aware of. Um, yeah, Greg, Greg Helt, he has been regularly and very unfortunately in the unenviable position that he is the person with the ball in his hands in these late game situations, okay? In weekend one, that was partially designed because he's like, he as the shooter on this team is being given the ball and being asked to score a four-point shot to tie up the game because he is the best shooter. And last week, he made a poor decision with a step back four, which made it a lot harder for him. And then the defense knew the ball was going to him and he then had to make a play and he made the wrong decision, right? So both times those were plays ran for him and that's not an easy position to be in. And then last night, they ran a really good first play that got Nathaniel Harris a shot from the corner for four and he sunk it. And so the team needed another four-pointer to tie. Or actually, no, they were, they were down by two, so you... You needed anything, but they got Nathaniel Harris in that corner again, shooting the three wide open on, on a fast break. And they had Greg Hell going in to get the rebound. Or the LBR, whatever you want to call it. But the rebound, realistically. And it goes long, and it goes over the hoop. Past the defending stopper, so it gives Greg Hell an opportunity to get the ball. He does get the ball. He gets trapped in the corner, but he receives a screen from one of his teammates. And so he gets to drive in at the rim. And in this moment, Nat Harris has repositioned at the top of the, 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 like the three-point area, top of the four-point line, top of the basket, top of the top tramp, top of the morning, whatever. He is repositioned there. And Greg Kelt is driving in from the wing. And he then has the very difficult decision of Connor Hollenbeck's maybe a best stopper in the league. Do I try and dunk on him? Or do I try and redirect him by me being a threat and I'll pass the ball off to Nathaniel Harris? And in hindsight, and what players who are more comfortable have been doing during the game, is you fake the pass to Harris and you go on your own and you're a big guy and you dunk and you get three points and you win the game. 
But what helped us, and it's not a bad, like, it's either of these could have been good. Either you're the one that's making a fake and making the play, or you're the one that's drawing the attention and making a pass. And he made the pass, and it went behind Nathaniel Harris, and it was a turnover. And it, it was with seconds left. There was about, like, six seconds left when he started driving into the trap. So, the team is getting better as a whole in late game situations. The way they ran a play to get a shot from the the a reset for Nathaniel Harris was very good. Um, and it shows that they're getting better at understanding how to run these plays. It was it was a good play. But they're still not perfect. And I don't want to lay all the blame on Greg Helt because that's such a difficult position to be in. But it, it has now happened to him three times. In, well, three times out of three games, but not all, you know, you know what I'm saying. Um, Nathaniel Harris ended up with 16 points in 90 minutes, including two of three, two of four from four point. Uh, so he might be the best four point shooter in the league right now. It's just unfortunate for the Lava. They, they're better than their record suggests. They are better than their record suggests, but they're also still struggling with those late game situations. Um, and like I say, they lost out to the Griffs here, and uh, you could put it down to late game. Uh, I I don't know what I put down. Maybe those six points that they they got off face offs. Um, either way, it's one of those things where where both teams are good. Both teams are relatively good for this league. Uh, and it's just who can get a win, who can squeak out a win on any given night. The Bryce Brain injury is a big concern. Will the team rally without him? Will he be back for the rest of the games this weekend? Or is this the last we've seen of him until next week? I wish he'd just taken all of the time off in the world and then come back midway through the season. And that could be the big story. Oh, however the Lava have played, they're now going to get the number one overall pick. What will that do? That could have been a story. But he's rushed himself and I'm not. I'm not jazzed about that. Second game of the night, it was the Ozone versus the Mob. And I want to start off by saying this was yet again a very physical game, right? The Mob are getting battered defensively. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is, is because it becomes more apparent as the night goes on why that is a concern. Um, and so... I want to draw attention to the physicality. I also want to start talking about the Ozone first as the team that lost because I put it on Twitter. I don't know that you'll see very often a professional sports team draft someone with their first round pick in a given year, right? Uh, and, and we're talking, obviously, there's eight teams in this league. He was the seventh pick, Uh there's no such thing as the lottery. We're not going 30 players deep. This is the the seventh overall pick, right? I don't know that there's many teams who take the seventh overall pick. And then in week, week one, he's giving you three points per game. And then by week two, he's not starting. Uh, incidentally, his dad, who's the coach, has been suspended for a game or for a session. So that's something. But Brian Bell Anson not in the starting lineup. Um, he does play well from the perimeter. And he does give them some scoring. More scoring than three points a game on the night. Not that much more. But he's definitely a more improved... Um, like, he's definitely more... Definitely showing that defensive prowess on the perimeter, which is something teams need. And if the rest of the team can balance up to that, the Ozone could be a very difficult defensive matchup for teams. Well, why do I say that if I'm saying he could do it? Well, it's because they've still got... A, they have a stopper rotation with a guy who we talked about earlier as a top four stopper in this league in Keenan Love. And every other team with a decent stopper, so if we're talking Gage Smith, uh, we're talking Connor Hollenbeck, uh, we're talking Fessel Shafat, if we're talking um, Amir Smith on the on the slashers, all of these guys are having to play pretty much the entire game. Because if they don't, their team is going to struggle a lot defensively because you need really good stoppers to make really good stops. 
The Ozone have Keenan Love and he is their guy for this position. But they also have Vincent Bowman and while he's not anywhere near as good, he is the biggest player in the league. And what they continue to do is swap out their their stopper quarter to quarter and give Keenan Love some rest. What they're doing differently from the first weekend is that they are also finishing those games with Keenan Love. So he's playing the majority of the second half, but he's getting the second quarter off. And he's getting bits of the second half off. And that's something that other teams can't necessarily afford to do with one of their with, with their star stopper in a, an important position. So this is a big advantage for them, especially because their stoppers was what was making life difficult for the mob. This is the lowest score the mob have had all season, uh, including in the main event matchup, I believe. So you've got stoppers who are, you know, again, physical play in the open floor is great. But stoppers making plays at the basket, also very important. And I told a lie, they actually end up scoring less in the main event matchup, um, which I wasn't expecting, in all honesty, even though we'll get into that uh, and, and why that would make sense in a second. But yeah, so so the the mob were struggling to score early on on, on the, the Ozone, uh, mostly because... They weren't running that advanced of an offense relevant relative to what they were doing last week. It was a lot of single cuts off the island. Um, and they were they were getting spotted and they were getting stopped by the Ozone at the rim. And that's, you know, you need to throw a little bit more at these higher level guys. Bowman was easier to score on, but he's still not easy to take on in the air. Uh, with Keenan Love, you definitely need to, to make something to get there. You need to do a little bit more. One-on-ones do not work against him. And the mob were were settling for that instead of running these great plays we saw from them last week. Is that a decision from the coaching staff to just assume that you're going to win out and to save your legs for the main event game? Or is that they couldn't get anything off because the camera angles that they're using in the sport at the moment make it very hard to properly assess how teams are doing from perimeter defense because they're so focused on inside the tramps. Um, so yeah, the, but stopper play was great from the Ozone and, and that's what kept this game close for much of it. And that's what has now proven to be something that you need to to slow down the mob. People are asking, well, what do you need? Well, you need a really good stopper, first and foremost. That is the biggest thing. And if we look at how they played weekend one, uh, the games that they had... Uh, you're talking, you know, none of the teams they played had a guy who's shown thus far to be a stellar stopper, whether it's this game had Keenan Love and he was great. I also want to draw attention to Marcus Gray. I believe he had, he had single digit points, but it was like eight or nine points in the game. Uh, and I just feel like he does a lot more for this team than is being advertised. When they need a basket, it's go to Marcus Gray and he's going to get a dunk. Um, and I just think he, he needs a little bit more attention put on him for what he's doing. And um, Keith McGee, he was doing well in the first half. He was sort of jumping, first quarter, he was sort of jumping over Gage Smith defensively. That was the only thing that was giving Gage problems in the first half, in the first quarter, which, like, as per usual, whether there's some something to be said about how he's playing and whether it's legal or not, because I've got some people who are telling me that he's drifting and I'm looking at his play now and thinking, wow, a lot of what he's doing is a lot of physicality in that bottom tramp and you're not allowed to make contact in the tramps as to be in the air. Is that a foul or is he just, that's playing the ball? And I'll have to, I will have to look into that for coming, coming sessions. Um, but Keith McGee was giving him problems in the first quarter. And then Gage just sort of started to focus on him. An interesting thing is he's... Gage Smith isn't paying attention to when guys are going behind the basket. He's trusting his teammates to handle that. He's just worrying about what's in front of him. And so when the ball went to his back left, he kept his eyes on Keith McGee, who was on his back right. Possibly because he'd been the one scoring, and so you shut him down, and then it makes someone else beat you. It wasn't that he was solely focused on Keith McGee, but it was that... Whenever he was coming, there was a, a clear attitude of, right, I'm going to disrupt your play. But Keith McGee also showed off something crazy. Like, we've seen guys 
Um, do what's what I'm calling like a short bounce. So you bounce off, you 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 bounce into the side tramp. So you cannot have possession of the ball in two consecutive tramps, which means you have to dribble the ball off the tramp or the island or throw the ball in the air and then catch it on the way back up between trampolines in order to create the separation. And so what some guys are doing in order to get into the bottom tramp or just to slow their approach to the island is to bounce the ball into the first tramp at the sides and then gather it, right? Um, and a lot of the time, that then disrupts how much height you can get on uh, a bounce. You do this little short bounce to get into the bottom tramp so that you can mistime the stopper's jump and go higher than them as they're coming down. And what Keith McGee tried to do in this game, which no one else has been able to do, and it would be crazy to see in slam, like for, for nerds like me, this is crazy if we can pull it off. He's doing the short bounce, so he's dribbling into the, the side tramp, and then still trying to jump at the rim. And I think he, he got blocked by the rim itself. But if you're in a league, we talked about this with um, Ty McGee as a guy who does the short bounce, but he doesn't actually bounce. He fakes he's going to bounce and then jumps at a very low angle to the rim to score. And if Keith McGee can get height while still dribbling, both of these are plays that throw off the stopper's expectations of what's coming and make it harder for them to gauge what they're supposed to do in return. And so, you know, that that being something in Keith McGee's repertoire is is crazy, crazy. Um, sorry, I got getting an important-ish phone call there, but I'll follow up on that later. Um, in terms of how the mob played in this game, really good early defence from Gage, um, which is to be expected at this stage. Again, I'll look into the legalities of what he's doing but i think by and large he's he's playing to the letter of the law but i'm told some coaches disagree um very good early defense the usual good movement in the tramps and passing from the mob even though they're simplifying it for this first game and they're just doing single single attacking slashes um but they are making some mistakes and that wasn't great see they were a bit slower in this game in terms of getting the passing down. I don't know if that's because you have Keenan Love, Slam Balls Tarzan, um, swinging at them, you know, in the air uh, and and making life difficult. And that's probably just the accuracy of it is if you have a guy like that who's leaping up to meet you, sometimes it's hard to work out when to make the right pass or, or how, to, how to catch the ball even. But they do have alternative options. I mean, they just end up throwing Brandon Simpson right at the stopper and sometimes that's all you need. If you can show an aptitude for not just the trick plays, but also an aggressive style of, of driving offense, then it makes every decision harder for the stopper. Every single one. Um, the mob's physicality was letting them down in the second quarter. So we got told by Brendan Kirsch that all these guys want to be physical, and they do. Uh, but they need to do it within the letter of the law. And the reason I'm saying that is because all these other teams are now coming for the mob, and they think physicality is the way to do it, stop them getting into the, the tramps, and that's almost certainly all true. Um, but in terms of reciprocating that, the mob have to be careful because that's how you end up giving away a lot of silly points, and that's what they did in the second quarter early on. There was a lot of just roughhousing on the outside, and, and, and it gives away a lot of points. They obviously didn't need to worry about that in this game, but it's something to keep an eye on for as they get more tired as the season progresses because they're playing so much more than anyone else right now, and also as we look game to game and teams realise that physicality is another way of disrupting the mob play. Cam Hollins gets a crazy dunk in this game. Crazy, crazy, just running start. And when they show the replay, no one defensively is picking him up. And I don't know how that happens when Gage Smith is not yet playing part of the offense in the half court and it should just be a three on three defensively and no one catches cam hollands and he just gets a straight run to the hoop and you cannot do that with a team filled with guys with great leaping ability so you need to put a body on him or even just get in his way um the mob have been coached to go for quick face-offs and and obviously this is like a strategy that's that's working throughout the league but every single face-off the mob aren't wasting any time. It's just, let's drive this ball down the, the hoop. 
and we'll we'll move on from from there. We'll just score. We're here to score, and that's it, right? And that's what gets them a lot of points as well. Is is the no nonsense face off attitude. Um, in terms of their defense, we talked about. Gage Smith obviously being great. The mob are also starting to utilize some interior defense around the island, which teams try, but by and large, it is very hard because you can't make any contact on that island. So all you can really do is disrupt with hands, active hands, but you're also getting in like the way of your stopper. And if you collide with an offensive player that's giving away a foul, and so island defense is, is not easy, but they're trying to do it. Um, something that the mob were, you know, so they're trying to make more of the advanced plays, but the passes are not coming off and love is difficult to deal with. So what they started to use is the, like a fake out short bounce from the bottom, which is a guy who... They, they fake a high alley from the island. So they get a guy on the island. They have a guy cut off that. They fake that it's going to be a high alley-oop and it's more of like a handoff. The guy goes into the bottom tramp and then gets that like short bounce over the the stopper. And that was that's another thing that they've got. Another string to their bow in terms of they've got driving, they've got uh, a lot of uh, highly skilled plays, and then they can also just do this short bounce handoff when when things aren't going well. This fake alley short bounce handoff. Just add words to that sentence. So they they get the win. Smith is playing really well again. Um, the offense, while not clicking a hundred percent, has so many weapons, and it's been so well coached into them that there there's a lot of options. Um. And yeah, the Ozone did make it hard with physicality and, and, and they've proved to me they're better than I thought they were. They are now 1-3 on the season, which isn't great, but it's it's not an easy league sometimes. Uh, but the reason they're better than I'm giving them credit for is because Keenan Love is so good and he's the best stopper that the mob have played so far. Now in the main event we're about to talk about, it's another guy who's maybe the best stopper they've played so far. In, uh, in Connor Hollenbeck. Just to, to clarify, because I don't think I mentioned, this game ended 36-49 in favour of the mob. So it's another double-digit win for them. And the, the, the lowest win they've had, the lowest win they've had, the, the, the lowest score up to that point they've had, but still a double-digit victory. In the main event, Griffins versus mob, it is yet again a very physical matchup. Roughing up the mob on the outside, and I mentioned earlier that exhaustion is the great unifier. And I say that because the mob are looking, as this season's progressing, they are starting to score less and get scored on more. And that's because, you know, from the stopper, it's very physical. You're taking a lot of hits per game and that becomes hard to deal with at a certain point. Uh, but also in open play, there's a lot of physicality in it. And... That that can drain you and it makes it harder to make all of these fancy plays that we see the mob pull off usually and and um it it just it it's exhausting and you don't have the drive to do as much or to run as many plays or to get all these fast breaks that we saw from the mob in weekend one. So back to back rough games for them does a lot and having your you know sixth game when some teams have still only played two will have only played three by the end of, uh, like, will have only played four by the end of the weekend, and you've played six. It's really tiring, especially because Darius Clark then missed most of the first game and all of the second game with a chest bruise injury. They tried to play him, he couldn't play, so he's he might be missing training this week as well. But that's, you know, it's physicality and it's exhaustion, and that's what's making these games harder for the mob. That being said... They still end up pulling out the win over the Griffins. That's their lowest scoring game yet with 44 points. And the Griffins had 31. So it's another 13-point victory. Uh, the question becomes, do the Griffins have enough offensive firepower? They've definitely got defensive firepower. And I say that because after the first quarter, it was 12-0 in favour of the Griffins. And that's because they were being physical. 
They weren't backing down. Flash Stanford ends up getting a face-off on Justin Holloway and Holloway gets in his face and he does not react to it and he just goes to business and gets a dunk. And and Gage Smith was still playing really well defensively, but Connor Hollenbeck was being a beast on the defensive end and as we talked about, that might be the way to stop a mob offense. Or like it's got to be part of it and the rest of it's got to be physicality. And they were being physical and they have a great stopper and they didn't score anything in the first quarter. And and part of that was was poor passing. To break down the Griffins offense, because I don't want it to make it seem like they were like like just firing all cylinders to get these 12 points. Um it was a face-off that we talked about, which is three points. A dunk from Holmes was the next score. Dunk from Justin Holmes. And that came from Gage Smith got popped in the mouth. He had to go out with like a, like a bleeding mouth. Someone else had to come in and take over the stopper position. And in that 30 seconds that Gage wasn't playing, Justin Holmes got a really easy dunk. And so they go up 6-0, right? Um, there's then a foul entering the tramps for two points and then a pushing in the back from the mob, which uh, was originally listed as three and then was two. I believe you get two two-point fouls of bonus and then it goes into the three-point foul. So that's where that comes from. And then a, a last-second layup from Justin Holmes against Gage where he's been slightly misdirected and Holmes just uses his body to get the ball into the hoop. So 12 points from them, zero from the mob. The scoring is coming from, from a variety of areas, but it's still not consistent. It's basically fouls and then Justin Holmes making plays when he sees an advantage for him but the defense has been very physical and it's been very good in that that was the difference maker uh that thus far in when it comes to later in the game the mob are still struggling with plays off of passes in the air uh it's are they just really tired after the griffs and uh after the ozone and now that the griffs are roughing them up is that what it is is it the the more tired you get, the harder it is to make these passes or, or to catch these passes. The answer is yes, of course. But then, defensively, Kaishon Jones for the Griffins starts to become a massive problem for Gage Smith because Gage is tired and Kaishon seems to be able to get like insane like height on the short bounce, but then also just coming in from, from side tramps. He's able to get a huge amount of height over Gage and, and that's hard to stop as well. But of course, the mobs start to come back into it. And if you look at the box score, they go from, you know, being down 12 to 0 to then being down by 3 uh, by, by halftime. Because the Griffins score 8, the mob score 17, it's 20 to 17. 17 points in the quarter is a huge amount to let in. And that's coming from... Just much more consistent play in the half court for the mob that isn't relying on catching difficult passes in the air. Okay, there's a lot of impressive cuts to get around Hollenbeck, and and it, it's that's not on him. That's just a really hard thing to play against, and the the mob are doing it to perfection. And those cuts start to come off better for them, and they start to be able to make those plays in the air. But even if they can't make the play in the air, they're getting the pass to the right guy and. And the stoppers having to watch three people at once inside the zone. And it's just very discombobulating. So he's holding them firm. But he still is giving up 17 points to the mob. Uh, he ends up with seven stops in just the first half alone. Uh, by the end of the game, I don't know. Let's have a look at the box score very quickly. By the end of the game... Hollenbeck would finish with 11 stops, right? So he, he gets most of that in the first half and then he starts to slow down defensively as the game goes on. That was my question. Can you keep up this defense against the best offense in the league throughout a full game? And for the Griffins in particular, who they've got the least points scored against them in the league, but they've also got a really poor offensive rating they're not great at scoring points themselves that's why they were two and all come or own two coming into this uh, second weekend can they keep up the answer was no can they score enough to to make it balanced the answer was no because after that amazing first quarter the griffins lose they, they start scoring less and less as the game goes on and they're only scoring 
single digits for quarters two, three, and four after getting 12, whether as the mob get double digits for everything, right? 17, 12, and five for quarters two, three, and four for the mob versus eight, six, and five for the griffins. They just are not able to get a lid off the basket, right? And again, that's with the mob looking exhausted as you start the third. The first possession, Gage is having to do a lot inside. He's still mixing it up, but he's not in the air for it because he's he's struggling just with the physicality and the exhaustion. Uh, and it feels like they're saving their energy for offense. That's how you perceive the first play of the second half. The second defensive possession is much better. There's a lot more physicality. Cam Horton and Cam Hollands are, are getting in the air trying to block passes and whatnot. And, and Gage Smith is able to, to get more on the defensive end. You then have, like, some transition play later on in the game. I think it's in the third quarter. Sorry, in the fourth quarter. With Brandon Simpson just being able to break up plays in transition because it was one of the rare occasions where Gage Smith is in the opposing team's tramp on an offensive play. The, the Griffs come down the other end and they try to like make a play and the only person back is Brandon Simpson and he doesn't get into the tramps but instead he swats the ball away and he, he makes a play on the ball and makes the Griffs have to make a decision and then stops it and that's you know a, if, if your transition defense from everyone is as good as that and your perimeter defense is is looking decent and your stoppers that good the the mob are a great offense uh but their defense still needs to be talked about more despite the fact that Gage Smith is MVP of the league right now um, his eighth stop ties things up at 26 apiece in the fourth quarter, okay? Because at that point, it was 26-26 from a stop and then a coast-to-coast -coast dunk around Connor Hollenbeck from Gage, Gage Smith, right? And that's like, being able to do that as well and have to worry about this guy just charging at you is difficult, especially because his opposite man is under the basket. If it's any other player on the team, usually someone from the other team can make a hit in the open floor and at least make it more physical for them. But with Gage, if you come off your man to make that stop, he can pass it really well. He's a, a, a really good distributor of the ball. And then it's it's an easy cut to the, to the basket or minimum the island to set up an offense. Um, so it's, you know, there's a lot of threats from this mob team. Uh, one of the things that you need to, to notice is Colin Hollenbeck gets crazy height, crazy, crazy height, as well as having really good timing for the stopper position. So he's able to get up there and make plays in the air and sort of hang with the guys who are getting a running start on him. There are good calls going the way of the Griffs that are keeping them in it at this stage. They are getting a lot of plays that are going their way that is keeping the game tighter than it would be if, if the fouls weren't getting called, shall we say. So it's not just that the mob are racking up points on, on drawing fouls, it's that... It's, it's that... Both teams are, are playing the game well at this stage, right? And then a couple of mistakes happen. So Kaishan travels on the face-off against Gage Smith. That's just either a momentary lapse thing or it's what we've come back to that the Griffins don't necessarily know all of the intrinsic properties of slam ball well enough yet. Like they're making all these little mistakes regularly. Uh, and, and this was just a silly one where he just walks with the ball and the ref kind of goes, yeah, travel. You can't, you need to dribble into the face-off. Uh, you can't just walk it in. Um, and so that's, that's you know, poor decision-making on their part. Um, both teams miss a couple of easy jams like throughout the game. And is that an exhaustion thing? The Griffins don't have as much of an excuse for that as the mob with their playing schedule. But for the mob, certainly, they, they get a couple that should have gone down um, and, and others that they just don't get the height to make what would have been an easy dunk last week. I'm thinking Brandon Simpson coming in from the top tramp and just not able to get an extension on his arm and just meeting the front of the rim and it doesn't go the way he wants it to. So both teams are tired. There is the end of game situation is 
harsh for the Griffins and makes this game look a lot worse for them than it was. So we said they ended with a 13-point win to the mob. Right. With three minutes left in the game, the Griffins were up by two, and then they end up going down 34 to 31. Okay. They are only down by three with about three minutes left. Right. And with those three minutes, they don't score again. And the score balloons to 44 to 31 at the finish. And 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 that is that so that is in the fourth quarter minimum you're looking at a 15 point swing 15 to nothing run for the mob essentially and let's just look at that 34 to 31 three minutes at the end rather than the whole 15 points so there is a bad call against the griffs for diving uh mob player runs into the tramp they jump Griffin's staying perfectly still, but he gets called as a foul in the air. That's two points because there's already been a face-off earlier in the quarter. Okay. Following that, because after a foul, uh, a bonus foul or a face-off or otherwise, offense gets possession of the ball back again. A very quick set play dunk coming out of that line, the sideline stoppage. And um, other teams just aren't running an offense that quickly, and the mob are because they're taking advantage of teams being tired. So they get three points on a dunk there. It's then a very valid, uh, on the next offensive possession, very valid, it was definitely a popcorning call against Adam Stanford, um, and it almost looked like an intentional one, where the mob player, I think it might have been Cam Horton, is trying to come from the island into the back tramp, and Stanford is kind of walking along the, the black section of mat that's not the island, but you can stand on defensively. Uh, and then just decides to put one foot in the tramp perfectly in time with Horton's landing, and so they call popcorning. It, it's it's very valid, and it should give them two points. A popcorn is if you intentionally disrupt the offensive player's bounce. Uh, it's definitely that. It's just, was it intentional or not? Uh, if it's not, then that's sucky, because that's another two points to the mob. And again, they get quick possession. And what's happening on this 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 next possession, where they get the ball back, and it goes straight to... A dunk from Cameron Hollins, who's in, in, in or sorry, Cam Horton, who's inbounding the ball. Flash Stanford is fronting him. He's right in his face, but he's trying to play position between the man and then Gage Smith in the backcourt because a lot of the offense gets started with Gage Smith. And so he's sort of like, I need to stop this pass. That gives a wide open lane to the hoop. And the ideal scenario is that your stopper is good enough and Connor Hollenbeck is good enough to stop any sort of offense that comes from that. But he sort of falls asleep. And, and looking back on it, I do not know what happened to him there because it's not like anyone else from the mob was making a cut. He just doesn't register that anyone's even coming at him at that point. And I don't know what happened there. So that's another three points. So all of a sudden, from, from you know, 34-31, it's then all of a sudden you're tacking on 10 more points and it becomes, that doesn't make sense. Oh. Hmm. This is the, this is the last set of plays for for the mob regardless. But I think I've got the scoring schedule of it a little bit different. But regardless, it's bad call for diving, uh a, a quick set play, a valid popcorn call, a really quick driving dunk from Cam Horton. And then Horton does a massive flop on the island that on the replay is egregiously bad, right? From the referee's perspective, from the referee that makes the call, from every referee's point of view, it might look fine. But from the replay, it's bad, bad. Which is, he's on the island, someone just stands next to him on the island and he sort of flops into them and gets the foul call. Because you can't make contact there. You can't make contact on the tramps unless it's in the air. Good rhyme from me. Um, and that's just, you know, that that sucks for the Griffins. But, and, and you don't like seeing sports played that way. But ultimately, like, if it works, it works. And good on the mob for getting the points. And then to finish off things, 
Everyone in the Griffins is tired. They've, they've, they, they're still trying to make a comeback. There's like a minute left. Minute 30 left. And they just run a really easy two-man game. Cam Horton and Gage Smith. They get Smith a, a short bounce dunk over Hollenbeck. And all of a sudden, the mob are up. And the game is over. And we've got that final score of 44 to 31. And what was a one-point lead, all of a sudden, is a fifteen is a, is a you know thirteen-point loss for the Griffs, and and that's is that late game execution? Is that exhaustion playing a part? Is that just the mob have a fundamentally strong understanding of almost every part of this game, and so they know when to flop and they don't foul as much? Is that it? Game ends a bit a bit scrappy. There's a shot clock violation as the ball rolls on the floor and Cam Hollins is sort of swiping at Adam Stanford on the floor and Stanford tries to get at him and everyone's chattering. And is this a case of... Is, I, I, I don't think that's a team-on-team -team thing. Unlike the Slashers mob or the Ozone Wrath, I think that's just a... Those two guys felt like there was too much contact in that final play. But ultimately, the mob, you know, the mob are still hard to beat. We know that stoppers are their kryptonite to an extent, but they're not even so much a kryptonite as they are like an anesthetic. Um, Keenan Love was doing great against them. Connor Hollenbeck, again, 11 stops in the first, you know, in, in the game. Uh, but you need more. You need to be able to score against them as well, and Gage Smith makes that really hard. Uh, again, whether that's legal or not, we'll address over the rest of this week. Um... And, and, and you also need to be able to defend on the perimeter and stop them getting easy cuts to the basket for those island handoffs. And the Slashers were starting to do that in game two of last week. And we'll see if any other teams are able to find a way of, of doing that. But that's been our review of last night's Slam Ball Action. I said it might be a shorter one. I always forget how much time I actually have. So 52 minutes is not short. But thank you for listening. Enjoy all the Slam Ball Action tonight. We will be back tomorrow with another review of all the action. And we'll have a look at where the league is. I've been Sam Roberts, this has been Bounce Off, have a wonderful day.